0: All right, we are live.
1: Here we go. In our end, at least. Kayla's got her notes. She's ready to go.
0: I have notes this week, y'all.
1: She's ready. She's got things to discuss.
0: Pages. Front and
1: back. Ready to go.
0: Only some will know that reference.
1: Read them and weep.
0: You know what that's from? What? Front and back. No. <laughs> uh. Okay.
1: Legally Blonde. Very
0: interesting conversation. (laughs) Legally Blonde? I don't know. Oh. Friends. When she writes the 18-page letter, front and back, and then Ross falls asleep and doesn't read the whole letter. Anyways, it's a whole thing.
1: You're huge on Friends. you love that. You'd be (laughs) serious.
0: It's the best. It's the best show ever. What's your favorite show? What's your favorite show that you can literally watch? Over and over and over and never get tired.
1: The only, like, first TV show that I actually got into watching was Breaking Bad, I think. Other than that.
0: No TV shows.
1: Not really. I watched, like, three seasons of Dexter. After that, I didn't watch anymore.
0: <laughs> Minus Friends.
1: We watched all the Suits. I watched that.
0: That's one we could definitely watch again. It's pretty good. He <laughs> probably couldn't watch it again. No, that's good. French is just one of those you can have on in the background of your house. Like I used to just fall asleep to it. I would just turn it on, and just fall asleep.
1: Yeah, but I don't think you just had it on. just background most well, no, of the time. I
0: definitely knew every single line of
1: every of
0: course. single episode. Of course. Anyways, that's a whole other topic. All right, so we are going to talk about how to get your needs met. In a relationship. Last week was more about health. This week is going to be more about strictly relationship. And I do want to put a disclaimer out there that this is not us coming to you as experts in this field. Because we still have a lot of work to do in this area. I'm
1: definitely not. I'm not coming to you as an expert.
0: (laughs) Anyways, I'm just saying like we'll we don't have this fully figured out and we're like, we're so much better than every couple and this is what you should be we doing. We say that. This is me still learning how to do this um, and we'll talk about that later. But how to get your needs met in a relationship, it's super important. We're going to go through a couple things. Um, one of them being humans have five basic core emotional needs. Talk about knowing your needs. And already being able to meet them yourself. It's important to not rely on other people or things to meet your needs. You should be meeting them yourself first and foremost. And then letting other people contribute to that. Understanding how to express your needs to your partner and your relationships. and that, This could even reach out to friendships, you know, work relationships, not just romantic relationships too. Knowing what to do when your needs are not being met and what that means. And then lastly, um, asking yourself if you are willing to continue in this relationship that you are in based on communication of expressed needs. And we'll talk about a couple questions in there. So that's really like the five points that I had for us today.
1: Okay, let's get into it.
0: All right. Okay, so talking about needs. First of all, everyone needs to understand that there are how many people are in the world?
1: Eight billion people. So
0: there are eight billion people in the world, all humans, and we all have this one thing in common. And I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're a sociopath. Deep down, we have this need to feel safe, secure, and loved as humans. We need to feel that. But the way Every single individual person feels that is different based on how you were raised from an early age, from whatever caregiver you had, parent you had. And so you can feel that, but it could be totally different from the person next to you. Like you might have felt safe, secure, and loved in a totally different way than I did, if that makes sense. So first of all, knowing that you need to feel that way. Second of all, knowing how you feel those ways how do you feel safe how do you feel secure how do you feel loved and that's all going to be different so this develops at a really early age um for instance like i saw my parents my dad give my mom love and my mom give my dad love in certain ways so that's how i perceive love so i'm like oh he did that for her and that made her happy so that's love and vice versa. If you could, like, sum up what your parents did for each other, how would you describe that?
1: I think my mom was probably more gift-giving. You know, that's kind of how she liked to express her love, was gift-giving. My dad was more, like, would write us letters or words of affirmation. Mm-hmm. kind of. So that's kind of how he would yeah, show and his love.
0: I feel like yours is definitely words of affirmation. Your need or your love language. What would you say your love language is?
1: I don't know. I don't know all of them. So
0: (laughs) I'm telling you, yours is words of affirmation.
1: I guess. I don't know all of them.
0: (laughs) Non-experts here. (laughs) This is like a therapy session for ourselves. (laughs) So the five love languages are words of affirmation. um, Touch. Physical touch. Quality time. Gift giving and acts of service.
1: Acts of service, too, I guess.
0: So if someone does something for well, you. Maybe my parents
1: you. were more acts of service.
0: Yeah. So if someone does something for you, that makes you feel like you're loved by them. Yeah. 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 So mine are definitely, so I saw my dad very much be a gift giver. And I saw my mom very much be acts of service. So those are my top two love languages because that's what I grew up seeing and knowing. Like I said, these develop at a very early age um, and also kind of contributes to your attachment style. And I've had my or our on-staff therapist, Morgan McNeil, come on. And I think we've done two or three episodes on attachment styles. We haven't quite gotten to the secure attachment yet, but um, I'll reference those in the show notes, what episodes they are. But this starts to develop your attachment style. So when you experience a high level of safety and security and love at an early age, you yourself develop a high sense of self-worth. So you're like, I know I'm worthy of this because I'm getting it all the time. And then when you have that, it leaves you to be less passive. I think when you're very passive, like in your teens and on in adulthood, it's because you don't have a high sense of self-worth because you were never known that you are deserving or worthy of having it. So for me personally, I was a very passive person and like everything in my life, like anything went, there was no boundaries. There was no, like, that's probably not a good idea. And this person's probably not good to date. It was just, let's just try everything out and see how it goes. So that's a dangerous thing when you aren't given that security and love and safety, you kind of just become passive in life. So talking about getting your needs met in a relationship, it goes back to first knowing what your needs are, because how can someone else know what your needs are if you don't even know what they are? It's like trying to read someone's mind. I can't, we couldn't have gotten together and I'd be like, okay, I know exactly what his needs are. It's either going to come out directly from you and be like, this is what I need, or it's going to show up in fights or conversation or when you're triggered and one of us is triggered and we explode or whatever, then that's kind of when they come out. That's kind of how we have learned what each other's needs are. I would say like, I definitely know that I didn't come to you and be like, Hey, this is what I need. Yeah. I've never said those words.
1: (laughs) Yeah. You either acted out or let me know, or you were visibly upset with whatever it was that your need wasn't being met. You let me know in some type of way.
0: What do you think the main way has been?
1: I don't know. Usually you just kind of get upset.
0: And then I say what I need.
1: <laughs> no, you just get a little snappy. Just kind of turn on that little toot a little bit.
0: And then what do you do? And
1: then I say, something's wrong. <laughs> say, something's going on here. I have to, de- do do? I have to decipher this code now. <laughs> I'm like, oh, boy. Oh, say, what happened here? What did I do? <laughs> my um, need isn't being met.
0: No, that's never what
1: you say. No, but it's never- what I'm thinking sometimes.
0: Okay, I say so.
1: Yeah, what well, usually happens when your needs aren't being met.
0: What usually happens when my needs aren't being met? What you just said, right? I mean, I've gotten better about... Saying them or saying what's wrong way faster than I used to, for sure. Like, I would act snappy for, like, a week before I said something. Now I'll say it within an hour.
1: Yeah, so you just said a few minutes ago that it's not like people can read your mind. Oh, I know. So that's why you have to be verbal.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and we'll get into that in a second. But So as soon as we identified our needs, we empower ourselves with the ability for them to be met basically. So kind of just wrapping this first part up of how to even know what your needs are as humans, we need to all feel safe, secured and loved. That's just what we need. And then it's deciphering. How do I feel safe, secured and loved? Like every single person is going to be different. So it's up to you to figure that out. Then it's up to you to personally give that to yourself unconditionally on your own before you can allow other people to do the same. Then when you enter into a relationship, this could be working, friendship, romantic, whatever, then you are more able to express your needs or create those boundaries around, well, this person
1: is talking about, I'm sorry, you're talking about giving safety, love, security to yourself first before you give it to others.
0: It's about giving it to yourself before you can expect someone else to give it to you.
1: So give yourself security, love, safety, give it to yourself before
0: mm-hmm.
1: you can feel it from somebody else.
0: Before you can feel it or rely on it. I can't go into a relationship and be like, he better meet all of my needs, even though I don't know what they are yeah. and I don't know how to tell them what they are. So hopefully he reads my mind and then, and then meets those needs. You know? So I know. I know. Maybe you could go into a relationship and being like, here's my bullet points of this is what I need or what my love language is. Or like I said, it probably will come out in some sort of fight or conversation. And then that's where you can say, Well, whenever you do this, this makes me feel this. Good or bad. And that kind of establishes a need. So I knew early on with you that you liked words affirmation because you were giving me so many words of affirmation. So I felt like, I feel like people give out what they want in return. Because so you were constantly writing me cards, constantly writing me notes, constantly texting me, you know, nice things, which you still do, all those things. Um, but I was like, okay, so this guy likes be told stuff (laughs) where I was feeling I was more so giving you gifts um just little things from like here and there you know yeah because that's how I like to show love because that's how I like to receive love
1: (laughs) you're more of a gift giver than I am it's not really my forte
0: yeah but that stems from because that's you didn't really see that a lot growing up yeah Or develop a, you didn't connect those dots of like, oh, when dad does that, mom acts really excited and really happy. And then they hug and then they kiss and they tell each other they love each other. So you connect that dot of what just happened to make her do that. Oh, he gave her a gift. He bought her flowers. He gave her something. So you're like, oh, that's love. My dad just randomly showing up with gifts from my mom or buying her things or And then my mom was very much acts of service as far as she was a stay-at-home mom that took care of all the kids. So she was doing everything for everyone. So she did everything for my dad. So I was like, okay, so when my mom cleans the house, when she does the laundry, when she runs the errands, when she gets the groceries, and my dad's happy about it, then that's love. That's that's what it is. I I never saw them be super touchy-feely. I never saw them give words of affirmation hardly ever. Um, and then quality time. Eh, it was kind of like you have four kids. You have to kind of be together all the time. So,
1: so not a lot of quality time. Not
0: a lot of just them to like going on vacations together or, yeah. hey guys, like we're going to go in our room watch TV. Like you guys are on your own. <laughs> it's like always about us basically. So, if you, so you can totally tell like the order in which I – lay out my love languages based on the exposure I got from each one Uh, to the five core emotional needs that all human beings have. Are you ready for this? You probably don't know any of
1: these. The five.
0: See if you can guess one
1: emotional needs.
0: Let's yeah. Let's see if you can guess one of these. Say it again. The five core emotional needs that all humans share.
1: Didn't you say,
0: um, separate from the ones I already said.
1: Oh, okay. Go ahead. I don't know. Just guess one. I was going to say safety, but you already, that was already another one.
0: Okay. That is one.
1: (laughs) Yeah.
0: That's the only one out of the other one. Okay. So to feel safe, to have autonomy, feel competent and have a sense of identity. That's another one. The freedom to express our needs and emotions.
1: I, I think that's a big one for me. What do you mean? I just need like room to create and express oh, you, yeah. and yeah,
0: yourself. Yeah,
1: I have to have that. Yeah, if I don't have that, then it doesn't work <laughs> for real.
0: Then you're a robot. Serious, I know <laughs> to act spontaneously and play. And to have realistic limits helping us to apply self control, so do you agree with all those or yeah. and then how many do you think you have that you're secure in?
1: maybe like two or three probably
0: to feel safe, to have autonomy and have a sense of identity, to have the freedom to express your needs and emotions, play, and then to have realistic limits <laughs> I don't know if I have any of these.
1: Okay.
0: All right. So we're going to kind of go over just each of the the emotional needs and we're going to talk about them and see what our opinion is on each one. So the first one is to feel safe, which is having a secure attachment to others. Kind of like I was talking about in the beginning, having that secure attachment when you have secure parents who are there for you emotionally, physically, mentally, they show up for you all the time. They're not running out and you're never wondering, are they going to come back? They're very consistent and they're not inconsistent. This builds a secure attachment to not only yourself and your, your worth, but also to other people as well. You attract people that are secure as well. You don't attract high drama, inconsistent, cheating people, bad people. So that's what establishes that high self-worth, those healthy boundaries, and that secure attachment. So that is a core need that every human needs to have. And I would say most people in the world are not securely attached. I would say people are very anxiety-ridden. They get into relationships and they stay in them way too long because they're looking for some sort of validation of love. They date the wrong people because they don't have a high sense of self-worth. All of these things are insecure attachments where so this is a secure attachment
1: what do we do to help these people that are doing these things
0: the road to secure attachment is the road back to yourself
1: so it all comes back to self
0: to self knowing having that high sense of self worth not taking shit from anyone basically Have
1: you obtain high self worth
0: um goes back to loving yourself um not looking to other people or things to feel that love. It's just being able to sit with yourself and love yourself no matter what, looking at yourself, loving yourself, no matter what, no matter what you do, what you've done. You're good about
1: loving yourself because I'm alive. It's like, no, you need to be loving yourself because you're doing the right things and you're making the right choices. And then you need to give yourself grace. So it's like, First thing you need to do is be honest with yourself. First off, you gotta be straight with yourself. That's rule number one. Mm-hmm. Then you gotta give yourself a little grace. But
0: yeah, I mean, getting out of that relationship that I was in only happened because I did the work on myself, and like that's what I call like the road back to you, basically, instilling the things that I needed to be instilled in me from an early age that was not given to me. Reparenting yourself, basically. Right. Going back and being like, you are loved, you are safe. Like, even my therapist made me say those words. You are safe, you are loved, I feel secure, I this, I I that.
1: No. Did that make you feel better when you would say those things, or did it take a while?
0: I mean, it took, it took a while, yeah. There was definitely, you know, a little dopamine hit in there at the beginning, where you're like, oh, it kind of felt good but to actually believe it took a while, I would say.
1: So that safety came from you.
0: Yeah. yeah. So feeling safe, secure, and loved, again, within yourself first.
1: So did you find that out then, that that's where that safety and everything came from you? Whenever you talked to your therapist, you found that out like, oh, this is all actually stems from me.
0: Everything you need, you have within you. It's not everything you need, Berkeley can give to you. Tyler can give to you. Your car can give to you. Your clothes can give to you. You have it within you, yourself. So learning that first.
1: Yeah, very, very good.
0: So that first one, the um, to feel safe, secure attachment to others, Um, Typically, this is someone who has had this need met in childhood from a parent, caregiver or other adult figure that was usually consistently there emotionally for them, accepted them unconditionally and was mostly present in their life. A person who has not had this need met in childhood typically had parents who lacked the ability or willingness to be emotionally there for their child. So parents that were either too busy with work or they didn't personally know how to give it or they were Preoccupied with themselves or whatever. Um, they only showed care and approval when the child met certain conditions, like getting good grades or behaving well at home. When this need is chronically unmet, one typically constantly feels insecure in relationships. As a result, they may consistently seek reassurance in relationships or be otherwise avoidant of close relationships.
1: Sound like conditional love to me, some of that stuff.
0: Yeah. I mean, or having to, I've I've said this because I had this, it's like having to perform for love when it says getting good grades or behaving well. It's like, oh, if you get good grades, then I will show you that I care and love you. And if you don't, then I don't. So then that, you know, obviously when you're in a relationship, it's not about getting good grades. So <laughs> it translates into other things. I'll fill in the blank of when, when I do this for my partner, then he shows me he loves me. But other than that, if I don't, then he treats me like crap. So that so creates think, so insecure attachment.
1: If the parents' intentions are just for the children to make good grades, and if they say, oh, well, if you get those good grades, I'll take you to that hockey game or that football game, and you think that's a bad way to do it?
0: Um, I don't think doing that is bad. It shouldn't be like, that's the height of the love.
1: They should be getting it either way. Either
0: way. There's nothing wrong with bargaining with a child (laughs) (laughs) or incentivizing them, but don't let that be the only form of love that you give or the only way that they see it, you know? On a random Tuesday, you should be hugging them, kissing them. I love you. You're amazing. You can do anything you want in this world. Wednesday, hey, if you get good grades, we'll take you to that game. You know what I mean? Instead of nothing, and then get good grades, we'll go to the game, and then back down and nothing again. necessarily wrong, just don't have that be the only form of love that you show. Right. So number two, autonomy. So this refers to being allowed to feel confident in your independence and ability to complete tasks. Typically someone who has had this need met in childhood had parents or caregivers who were willing to let them do things on their own or make mistakes that take appropriate responsibility for them. When this need is unmet, one may constantly feel incompetent and lack confidence in their own ability to make decisions and accomplish things. Therefore, one may become dependent on others to make decisions for them or complete tasks. I think apparent things they're doing good by doing that because they're like, oh, if I do this and control everything, they'll really – end up this way or kind of pigeonhole them or funnel them into acting and being a certain way when really you should be teaching them. It's okay to make mistakes. It's okay if they get hurt. It's okay if they bump their knee. It's okay if they accidentally eat something they're not supposed to. It's You cannot micromanage a child because they will never learn to be independent or mistakes, do anything on their own. And so when you were a helicopter mom with a little boy and he's now 18, 21, and he goes off to college – What are you going to do?
1: So autonomy.
0: Autonomy is a human core need that we all need.
1: Okay, what's the third one?
0: Freedom to express valid needs and emotions. This is the one that you said that you had to have. Mm -hmm. So why do you think you have to have that? And where did you learn that from?
1: When I get to draw or get to, like I was just saying, mess around with like lettering or street signs or being creative like with magazines just all sorts of stuff okay, that right stuff to like
0: to my question what do you feel whenever you do that you complete a sketch you complete a collage
1: it's not during the completion that i feel something it's during the process of it all.
0: okay so during the process
1: it's the freedom that you feel during the process of creating so like it because it's freedom. like it's like when you're making art or whenever you have this um whenever you have this opportunity to create something new or express yourself it's like they say it's kind of like taking a dog for a walk you don't really have any set route of where you're going to take the dog you go outside and it's like okay he wants to go right okay you go right you know it's not like i'm going outside the dog needs to go left we need to go left today mm-hmm. it's like no there's no predetermined there's no judging it's um there's like this openness about it. And that you can translate that to like, whether it's music, playing guitar, or piano, you can do that with a paintbrush. You could do that with whatever. And that's like being open in your creative process and having that process and allowing for new things and ideas to come into play. And that's kind of what I do with my art is like when I draw or whatever, it's like a free flowing thing. Like anything's allowed in that space. Any, anything can come and go. And I just try to let the, let it create itself. But like you're asking, what is it? And it's like complete freedom because it's my world. It's like, I create that world. I create that scenario. I create that situation. Like I built it, I made it, whatever is happening in that little, uh, imagine it, imaginative world or whatever it's like i have complete and control over it so that's what offers me a sense of freedom
0: yeah it's good so you're in like a flow state you could say where you're like surrendered or i think people kind of translate it like letting go completely in a flow state or surrendering to some process
1: yeah to me, I'm just allowing something to take place to happen, and I kind of heard somewhere that it's almost more important to have a process like that than to than the outcome of the process. So it's actually more important just to have a creative way or, per, or a specific way that you do something, whether it's this podcast, just the routine of putting out the lights, the mixer, the camera, and setting it all up, even though podcast might not be the best episode we've ever done if we do it time and time and time again you're gonna figure out okay what's the easiest way to set all this equipment up we, which way is the best way to have the microphone up well we didn't sound good when the microphones were faced that way or you know what i mean just the little things each time yeah you do one you learn one more thing and then the next time you have a podcast you implement those things that you've learned and that's what makes ultimately your process your creative process tight and, and you have it all bundled up in a nice little orderly fashion and to have that process is more important than the actual outcome. Yeah. Of whatever it is that you create.
0: The thing that we changed today was your microphone.
1: <laughs> yeah, we moved it out a little bit. Yeah, I probably talk I mumble a lot, so I need to see I need to be loud and assertive.
2: I never knew it was important to take a prenatal vitamin before you're pregnant. But since being pregnant, I learned the first 28 days of pregnancy are important in a baby's neural development. So there's really no such thing as starting too soon. Rituals Essential contains 350 mg of eco-friendly vegan omega-3 DHA in every serving, and 95% of pregnant women are not getting the recommended daily intake of key omega-3s. I have been taking rituals vitamin every morning. Not only do I feel amazing, but I love knowing that I'm contributing to my baby's brain development and building strong blood and bone health with a prenatal multivitamin made traceable with vegan bioavailable and clinically studied key nutrients for before and during pregnancy. Plus, the capsules feature a delayed release design to help make it gentle on an empty stomach and a citrus essence to make taking your multis actually enjoyable. Why settle for a multivitamin you're not 100% sure about? Ritual was literally built on trust, so you know it's the real deal. Right now, get 40% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com habitsyoulove habits you love. This offer is only available through January 31st. Start Ritual or add Essential for Women prenatal to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash habits you love for 40% off.
0: Yep, so I think you have that. And so I want to kind of say the definition because I think you did grow up with that. So this refers to being allowed to express emotions without being punished, rejected, or invalidated. I think you were very much encouraged to do all those things, and there was never any punishment if you acted one way or another. That's correct. Whereas I was opposite. (laughs) I was very much raised, you act like this. If you don't act like this, you are punished, basically. You're grounded. You're going to get a talk into, get stuff taken away. Yeah, it's just how does any... Person, child, human, establish a sense of being able to express their needs and emotions when they're never allowed to.
1: You think you were a good kid?
0: Yeah, I was, I was a good kid. Right? Yeah. Up until 15, whenever it all built up inside of me that I wanted to do all these things, I wanted to do it, but I knew that I would be punished for doing it. So I rebelled. I lied. I got in fights with my parents all the time. because I was just trying to express something inside of me that I didn't know what it was. You know, it's like, that's where you have to find what that is. But I was never allowed to do that.
1: What was that?
0: I don't know. I mean, when you're 15, you just want to hang out with friends. I wanted autonomy. I wanted to show my parents that I was responsible. I was like, hey, like, let me just do what I want to do one night. I will come home at a decent hour. I'm not going to be stupid. But it's like they wanted to control me so much that then I was like, okay, I'm just going to have to lie to you (laughs) because this is what I want to do and you're not letting me. And so I'm going to have to find a way to do it without you knowing, basically. Um,
1: I lost a good friend of mine when I was 21. He was 22. And uh, he overdosed on, I think it was opiates. I'm pretty sure his mom was like a counselor or something at the time. But he was taking prescription pills. And um, I think he was even, you know, he was sneaking pills whenever he could. And essentially his mom was on his ass, you know, about stuff. She knew he was... Being like that, like stealing pills or taking stuff or whatever it was. And uh, she was on him, you know. And I think the pressure of that even made hit, made him worse.
0: She was on him about knowing he was taking pills? She
1: knew he was into some stuff that he shouldn't have been into. Yeah, you and know she probably I mean? didn't approach it she, the right way. She knew. And so I remember the first time I even met his mother he was in a band and they had like a big uh, building in their backyard and they would have people over there and they would play their music and stuff like that. And so the first time I ever met her, you know, she's just grilling me. You do drugs for my son. And I'm like, Oh, hold up. Like Jacob's my friend. I want his sobriety. I want him to not be on anything. I'm not the person that's giving him whatever you think that he's, you know, on or whatever. And I didn't even know what, if, when or what he was taking at these times, you know. But I just think that it was a lot of pressure for both of them. For him having his mom on his case and he's trying not to get caught and doing stuff. And then she, <laughs> you know, but there wasn't ever that communication from them. It was like a roundabout.
0: Yeah. It was like, well, there's no sense you know, in friends.
1: She's asking his friends. Yeah. It's kind of like,
0: it's, how am I? It's, how I like
1: it's like, talk to him. You guys talk to each yeah. other. And like, I don't have anything to do with this. So it's like hard.
0: Immediately that wall gets put up of, I can't trust you. On both of them. Well, first of all, she needed to decipher and figure out why he was even doing that in the first place. That's where you should start first. I think... One of the worst things you could do as a parent is constantly try to fix the behavior and not fix your approach to the behavior. You know, like, why is my son on pills? Let's figure this out as opposed to being like, you're going to get off these pills right now. That's, that never works. (laughs) Right. right. The sense of control over, over someone.
1: You've already lost control at that
0: point. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, that's how my mom was like, she would sneak around like, um, I remember one time I was grounded at the time for doing something. And I didn't have a phone. I went to the gym, she actually dropped me off at the gym, because she took away my car. So she dropped me off at the gym, I worked out for a little bit. And then I called my boyfriend from the gym, (laughs) from the gym phone. And I was like, hey, just come over here and like say hi. They like, all come outside. Like I I was grounded. I wanted to see him. And so she
1: came up there and saw you.
0: Well, what happened was, of course, this would happen, but she was driving and his car was very distinct. It was very it stood out. It was like a huge Bronco. And no one else had that car. And she was driving and saw him pull into the gym. Or maybe she was waiting around somewhere the whole time. I don't know. But his car came pulling up to the front door and immediately her car came right behind him. I was like, get in the car, Kayla. You know, just just shit like that. If I could give any parent any advice, and I'm definitely going to take this advice, it's just stop trying to control the behavior and figure out why the behavior is being done.
1: That's good advice.
0: In the first place. And then approach your child with a sense of, you can trust me like she would manipulate me with information. She would say I could trust her with information. I'd give it to her. She'd use it against me. Um, Yeah. just being that open, safe space for your child to talk to you about anything. No matter if you like it or you don't, or you agree or you don't.
1: And definitely I have that space yeah. with my father.
0: So that's why we have completely different. Approaches to relationships or how we behave in relationships. I think.
1: I think my mom was a little bit more compartmentalized with all her information as to what was going on between them. My dad was fairly open about their relationship, and you know, I appreciated the honesty because even though I was young and my mom didn't want, you know, me knowing everything, I was like, "Hey, if I know, I know." Not a big deal.
0: Yeah. Back to the, um, we're on number three, the freedom to express needs and all, and uh, emotions and all that. So when this need is chronically unmet, one of two outcomes is common. In one case, one typically feels ashamed or guilty for expressing emotions, especially anger, and constantly hides their feelings and emotions and, and their needs. Even if they do express these needs or emotions, they tend to doubt the validity of their needs. Alternatively, one may instead grow to become overly insistent on getting their needs and emotions recognized and met. So this is like throwing tantrums or getting easily triggered when they feel that their needs are being ignored. Such behavior develops because this response may have been the only way for them to have their needs met in childhood.
1: Yeah. Temper tantrums.
0: I mean, mine's definitely the first one. Feel guilty if I say what I need from anyone.
1: Really? I didn't know that. Know. That's why it, we're
0: having our therapy session. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. I just feel it like it makes me
1: feel bad that you feel guilty.
0: you. That's the nicest thing you've ever said.
1: Really? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry.
0: Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. Um, yeah. It just makes me feel like I am very much like, oh, I don't need anyone to do anything for me. Yeah. So I just do it all myself for myself. But really, subconsciously, as a human, you need other people as well. And so that's why whenever I need not being met, I'm like, I feel bad for being upset that my need is not being met, basically. So I don't want to say anything. Because I'm like, well, I shouldn't feel bad.
1: They basically say a closed mouth doesn't get fed.
0: (laughs) Yeah, can you repeat that?
1: A closed mouth doesn't get fed. Yeah. So true. So, you then it's like you're hungry. You gotta talk.
0: But then it's in your mind. You're like, I'm starving. I'm starving. But no one's feeding me. But also, you're not opening your mouth. Basically,
1: that's
0: good. I like that.
1: Figured it out. Therapy session.
0: <laughs> oh, all right. Number four: spontaneity and play. So this refers to being allowed to be spontaneous and play. Without feeling guilty or having to deserve it, someone who has had this need met in childhood was typically allowed to play and be spontaneous at the home. Alternatively, someone who does not have this need met typically grew up in a grim, no-nonsense environment with many rules. Play and spontaneity were considered less of a priority than work or school in these families. So when play and spontaneity is chronically unmet, the outcome is a constant sense of guilt or having to deserve to be able to play uh, when, a sp- when a spontaneous or non-productive activity is done. Did you have a lot of play growing up?
1: So I lived on a cul-de-sac. Every house on that street had kids at the house, except for like maybe one of the houses, multiple kids. So my entire street was full of kids, and we played kickball on the cul-de-sac until my next-door neighbor, Kevin, that was a little bit older than everyone would come out and he would convince us to let him throw him a pitch, and we would roll it to him. And he was like sixteen at the time, and he'd kick it, and we'd kick it over the house into the backyard. And he said, "Oh, thanks for letting me play. See you guys later." And leave us. <laughs> he would have one kick and kick it into the backyard, and then, "All right, we'll see you guys later." It's like, man, you know, elementary school. Uh-huh. Yeah, it was just like. You think it was funny? We just love to kick it over in the backyard and just leave us and make us go jump the fence of this old lady's house. And, you know, it's kind of like the sand lot. Like, oh, there- I think she's got a big dog back there. Yeah. Yeah, I played. Yeah. And I lived right down the street from my elementary school. So I literally walked to school since I was in kindergarten. So I had the responsibilities of waking up. I had an alarm clock. Oh wake up. Since yeah. Maybe kindergarten my mom helped me, you know, she would kinda of, but by first or second grade I was
0: Yeah, clock um, in first grade.
1: First mm-hmm. second grade. It's one of those little little red red lights, you know, little digital. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course we didn't have that. Oh gosh, but didn't have that. Yeah, just living right down the street from elementary school and having to walk there every day. And, that allowed me some, um, you know, just freedom.
0: But I mean, the spontaneity in play, I feel like, you know, playing with your neighbors, that's one thing. But.
1: You mean playful, like. Yeah, like playful, throwing the ball, throwing like, the ball with each other. Or,
0: playful in the home where you're like, you, did you see your parents ever just like, so we they're were, cooking and they start having a food fight or stuff like that?
1: Most like, of the things what we would do would. My parents were obviously obsessed with working out. So ours usually were like (laughs) one of the games would be when my dad got home from work we would take off running and he would take his hat try to throw it onto our heads you know across the living room that was always see how far you could throw it and that was always fun because we were all excited he's home and it's kind of fun little game other stuff would be like him holding out his arm and us doing pull-ups you know from Mm -hmm. his arm trying to get our chin up there and other one would be like him doing push-ups and all of us trying to stack on top of him and see how many push-ups yeah. you can do with the whole family on you. Beautiful yeah, so, things
0: in the home. So that's
1: yeah you know, cheap entertainment that we will do.
0: We're teaching our child to have the human yeah. need of play when really we just can't afford to do anything else.
1: <laughs> well, it's kind of like the Pursuit of Happiness movie, yeah. you know. It's like that. They're like sleeping in bathrooms, and but the kid doesn't really know they're poor yet. I mean, mm. it's like...
0: He makes up that story, like they're hiding from a dragon or something. Yeah,
1: so honestly, you can be in a really bad situation, but if you are around the right people and you're handling it the right way, like, you can make the best out of a bad situation. So. Yeah. It's about yeah. about your attitude. Yeah, and I that's would
0: say most of, most of my childhood, I would say, it was very playful. Um. You're always outside with the neighbors. Uh, I just, to me, when I read that, when it says, um, you know, feeling guilty or having to deserve it, I have a really hard time letting go now and just going out and playing and doing something spontaneous.
1: Yeah, because you feel like you need to be doing something productive. Yeah. That, that pertains to something that you have going on yeah. in your life. Yeah. yeah,
0: That's, like, where the guilt comes from. It's like... I'm here at the beach when I really should be doing something else. Yeah. yeah. You're like
1: I got to finish that chapter and I got to type this. And yeah.
0: Something, to. anything. It's so annoying. It's like, I, I don't even necessarily like no one's telling me to do anything. No one's like, Hey Kayla, are you going to have this done? In my mind, I, I put that pressure on myself.
1: So. Yeah. That's your importance. Huh? That's your own importance that you're placing on it.
0: Yeah. So I'm, I try to be better. I mean, I feel like our weekends have been pretty I don't really work on the weekends really. They've been chill. Yeah, they've been chill. I feel really guilty for it. <laughs>
1: wow.
0: that I wanna be I I wanna be better about that. Like I think having a child will actually help me be better with that. I'm have help to be. you,
1: yeah, you're gonna have to be in the moment.
0: Yeah. So it's so funny just reading all these I get to relive all these moments when you see your child living them.
1: Yeah, this is your second chance to relive all those other things you've got to do before. Kind of like I said, as you get older, old people, older people experience less and less new things. So whenever you have a child and you get to see them experience their first new things or their first steps. First time at the beach. First time riding a bicycle. Like they're all just yeah. important things. I mean, they are important.
0: Yeah. I just feel like it's these cool. five awesome. human core needs is, I feel like I'm going to be able to maybe reestablish them or practice them more from having a child, like having that spontaneity in play, having that freedom to express my emotions to the child, <laughs> um, having that sense of security Um hmm. Anyways, so I think God knew what I needed at just the right time.
1: Yeah, that's all divine, like it's.
0: Just- <laughs> all right, last one, number five: realistic limits and self-control. So this refers to having sufficient self-control and discipline to complete unpleasant but necessary tasks, while resisting inappropriate behavior. Someone who had this need met in childhood usually received adequate discipline or feedback in childhood. Uh, On the other hand, this need goes unmet when it comes to overly permissive parents who never enforce house rules and never or rarely discipline their child for engaging in inappropriate behavior. uh, Another way this need goes unmet is when the boundaries for behavior and self-control are unrealistic, such as when a parent always punishes a child harshly for any slightly inappropriate behavior or even for for breaking a minor rule. So I definitely didn't have that. (laughs) I had opposite. I had, instead of rarely disciplined,
1: it was always disciplined. Overly disciplined. (laughs) Overly disciplined. What were your rules? What were the household rules?
0: I mean, they definitely varied as different stages and ages of my life, but I would say when it really all became really tense for me and my parents and our relationship was when around when I turned 16, when I had my own car. So then it was like, all right, you have your own car. You have a curfew. You,
1: it seems that they didn't want to let you have those freedoms that they were a little bit nervous and scared to allow you that freedom that maybe you felt like you wanted and deserved. Yeah. And they were kind of intimidated to give it to you. They didn't know what was going to happen.
0: Yeah, I mean, obviously it obviously comes down to, like, fear. My mom was very fearful, worrisome person who thought if she could control everything, everything would just fall into place for how she wanted it. That's not how the world works.
1: Yeah, it's tough to control so,
0: it all. And, you know, and they, they just didn't want me hanging out with certain people and doing certain things. The
1: best thing that you can do is to try to lead by example and try to put your people, if you're a leader, uh, in the best possible position to make the best possible decision and hope that <laughs> what you have instilled in them that they can carry on and make those right decisions. And it's probably hard to sit back and watch it happen and let it go and say, All right, this is what I'm gonna do. This is Yeah. You know, so it's
0: Yeah, I understand it can be hard to When your child kind of leaves the nest, so to speak, and uh, they're kind of on their own a lot more. But like you said, by her being so overly disciplined, it just made me want to rebel more as opposed to, hey, like, I really want my mom to trust me. I'll probably just go ahead and do the right thing tonight. (laughs) When it was constantly like, you better do this or this is going to happen. It's like, all right, I'm going to skirt around that as, as much as possible, and hopefully you never find out. If she was open and allowed me to either make mistakes or whatever, like, I never got in trouble. Like, I never got in legal trouble. I and mean, if I was, like, a super horrible kid that was getting arrested or stealing or doing drugs or when well, I was drinking, but, you know, I, I could see how there would be, like, rules enforced, but it was, like, the rules were enforced Way before I was ever given the opportunity to even make a mistake.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I get that.
0: Yeah, so
1: I guess that they didn't, they didn't allow you that space yet. Yeah.
0: yeah, the freedom to do anything or be anyone. It's like I don't know who I am because I was never given the opportunity to explore who I could be. Wow. Well, Clip that. So kind of tying in our relationship to all those. I talked about at the beginning a human needs to feel safe, secure, and loved. And then these are like our five core human needs that we just need in general, whether or not this, we're in a relationship or not. But now I'm kind of going back to the safety, security, and love. And, you know, I think when we do have arguments or our biggest struggle is unmet needs, that I think that's just our biggest struggle and not to say it happens all the time. Like, We don't fight often, but when we do, I've, I've learned to sit back and evaluate it and be like, okay, I am very triggered right now because I am not getting a need met. And this is not by you doing anything intentional or malicious or that you even know that you're doing it. It's just happening. And then I feel unloved or unsafe or insecure. And I think that's really the only complaint I have about our relationship is when that happens. So that's where we could be and anyone in a relationship could be more proactive. And if like if you just super knew my needs and I just super knew your needs, I feel like that wouldn't happen or wouldn't happen as often or they wouldn't it wouldn't be as big of a blowout. So it's kind of just constantly learning
1: about each other's learning,
0: needs. Yeah, learning, yeah. being aware of the situation. Like, okay, if, if this is going on, how might Tyler feel? And you have to ask yourself those three questions: Will he feel unloved? Will he feel unsafe? Or will he feel insecure? And then trying to prevent it as much as possible. But even if you can't, quickly being able to fix the problem
1: a good question to ask yourself.
0: Yeah. So, I think honestly, I just think that's our biggest struggle is we, we have complete opposite love languages. <laughs> so, it's hard for me personally to meet your love language because that's not that's like my the last one on my list. Same. Yeah, and yours is too. Same. So, our biggest which honestly You, (laughs) I don't know if we would ever fight if it wasn't me feeling uh, the three things. If it wasn't me feeling unloved, unsafe, or insecure, because I feel like that's where our fights start, Mm -hmm. is when one of those three things is happening to me. I've, it's never, we've, I don't think we've ever really gotten in a fight when it was you first. It's about to happen. (laughs) But when we, when it does happen, you do express, you like match my feelings. You're like, well, I, this, you know, so I know you feel that, but you just never approach it with you, with you first. So do you ever feel like your needs are not being met?
1: From you or from me? From me. I can't think of anything in particular, to be honest with you anything that you're
0: so there's no there's no thing where you're like i wish Kayla would do that more
1: no i just wish you were you know i think one of my i guess my love language is touch and words of affirmation and those are two that aren't your top two (laughs) so So you
0: would like me to be more affectionate you
1: could be more affectionate
0: and say nicer things
1: you could be more affectionate and say nicer things
0: yeah So if I didn't do those at all, you would feel unloved by me.
1: A little bit, yeah.
0: Yeah, so that's that's a need that you have. See how I'm breaking this down for you? Yeah,
1: (laughs) Yeah. that's what you're doing for everybody. (laughs) Not just me.
0: Yeah, does that make sense? Yeah. So how do you think we could better not get to that point?
1: What point are you talking about?
0: Like our fights or arguments. arguments?
1: Yeah, well, obviously, I need to be more understanding and cognitive of your wants and what, yeah, your wants and your needs and what you desire are so I can be more aware and prepared for those. You know, like wanting to feel special on your birthday and, you know, different things like that that are important to you. Yeah. That may not be as important to me. But even though they're not as important to me or it's not the way that I show my love or whatever it is for you. So I need to learn your style, Mm -hmm. what you like.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a two-way street.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I think, honestly, to be completely honest with you, Granny is the first person that... uh, we talked, and she helped me see things from a different perspective,' she said, "You know, you show your love differently than I show my love, like even when we go see her. I give her a big hug when I'm there, you know, long hug before I leave, big you know, kissed me on the cheek, you know it's like, but well, sometimes you don't you're not as affectionate that way you you might be more." sit down next to her and talk to her engage with her that way
0: or i like to walk in and see if there's anything i can do for her is the kitchen dirty can i clean up
1: right so the trash and you're
0: more like affectionate love hug and i'm more like what can i do yeah that's immediately she'll be like oh my god thank you so much to me and then to you she'll be like oh my god thank you so much you know it's like she's getting love two different ways
1: see it took her to tell me that you know to kind of say you guys are different you she expressed herself that way you express yourself this way and i'm like oh okay i don't know why i i act this way and i behave this way and she acts that way and both of them are okay yeah just how people behave yeah yeah so i try not to
0: our the way we perceive love is different so what do you do when you're in a relationship with someone that is completely opposite? And you have to learn each other. What do you do?
1: You have to learn each other, just like you said. You have to learn what makes each other tick, why we are the way we are.
0: Oh, how to know what you want in a relationship. So downplaying our needs in a relationship Will only breed resentment.
1: So, whatever you're feeling, whatever you need, you need to bring it up as soon as possible.
0: Right, because, like you said, what was the mouth reference again? A closed mouth never gets fed.
1: Doesn't get fed. Yet.
0: Yeah. So, a closed mouth doesn't get fed. So, if you are holding on to your holding your your want or your need in, and you're not expressing it. And then the other person's not giving you what you want, but you're not also telling them what you want or need. Then you're just going to start resenting that person Mm -hmm. for not meeting your need. So our core needs are really non-negotiable, and we develop these at a very early age, as we've talked about. And successful relationships come down to these basic questions about our core needs. There's four questions that you can ask. So what do I need in a relationship in order to feel loved, happy, fulfilled, and secure? What do you need in a relationship to feel the same? Ask your partner that. Are you willing to meet my needs in this relationship? Am I willing to meet yours? That's really very basic. (laughs) That could get a lot of things solved very quickly. What do I need? What do you need? Am I willing to give that to you? Are you willing to give that to me? And I think, you know, these could be very small or they could be very big. It could be like, I don't want kids. Oh, well, I do want kids. Okay, are you willing to not have them? Are you willing to have them? Like mm-hmm. that's a, a bigger one, you know. Or a, a smaller one is I I like to go on dates on Friday nights. I like you to take me out on a date on Friday night. Oh, well, I don't really really believe in spending money on fancy stuff like that. Okay, am I willing to either never go on a date on a Friday night again or is that person willing to pony up and take me out on a date that's like a smaller example of that so four questions those are very important that you can ask so going into a relationship with a clear idea of your needs and your partners will give you a solid chance of building a relationship that is mutually fulfilling and stands the test of time
1: nice there you go all right easy peasy So if you
0: want more relationship advice, definitely be sure to ask us because we know exactly what we're talking about.
1: I never said that. (laughs) She said.
0: Just be sure. Let's sum this up. Just be sure to know your needs. Be sure you are giving them to yourself first and foremost. Be sure to know how to express them in your relationships. Set boundaries. Otherwise, you'll be passive and you'll let anything slide. And then you'll be mad and resent that person. And to have a successful relationship, you need to be able to be willing to meet your partner's needs, and vice versa.
1: Beautiful, it's perfect.
0: Any last words?
1: No, I think you covered it. I think you got it all. You did a you good got job.
0: Of many words.
1: Sometimes I am.
0: Yeah, actually, you are. You can talk me ear off sometimes.
1: This was what you wanted to talk about today, so. We let you talk about that. We, it's
0: we, it's we in here.
1: <laughs> Next time, I'll have my notes, and we'll go over some basketball history and statistics, and we'll be talking about the '80s basketball and <laughs> high fashion. <laughs> i <I'm> just kidding. <laughs> that's what you want to talk about. If that will, my needs will finally have been met. We do a basketball episode.
0: In my relationship, I need to talk about basketball. please why well, find a friend for that? <laughs>
1: That's not true. You're a basketball manager, you like it. <laughs> okay. We'll you go for like your staff. You like it, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure you wrote him down in a book somewhere that you got <laughs> Probably. <laughs> well, thank you for offering me. A space to feel safe, secured, and loved. So, thank you. And for uh, being there for all my needs. So, thank you for being aware of my needs and helping me and
0: helping you realize yeah. what your needs are.
1: No, just being there, you know, fulfilling my needs to the best of your ability that you know how. I think that you do try. You do try to be supportive and loving and caring and you try to show that you care so i'm grateful for you so thank you welcome yeah
0: see words of affirmation
1: that's all i got
0: i have a gift for you over
1: there (laughs) yeah you're gonna say that all right
0: bye-bye